Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone, so listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome. I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen. And welcome to Black True Crime. Uh, If this is your first time here at the show, welcome and hello. Hi. Come on in. Take a seat. Relax. (laughs) Yeah, you know. Today's case is something that honestly had my adrenaline rushing before I pushed play. And it's still kind of pumping. And I'm really excited about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you guys know anything, you probably already know who we're covering since you clicked on this episode. But if you know anything about them, it's just, it's fucking mind blowing. So let's just get into it because this might be a longer one. We're going to kind of try to keep it condensed, but you know, I got to give you what I can give you, which is everything. Look at my face. I know. Kristen, how about you just hush and just fucking be here? I'm here. <laughs> okay. So are you ready to get started, sister? Yes. Okay. Richmond, Virginia in the 70s was full of middle-class families. Some were upper middle and some were lower, but either way, all were affected by the evils of the time. Racism, the drug epidemic, and a group of brothers who violently robbed and killed their way through the city. Join us as we discuss three sons that only a mother could love. The Briley Brothers. Ooh, Kayla. Okay, you guys, here we go. Linwood Earl Briley was born in 1954, and he was the oldest. He was nice and extremely intelligent. His own dad said he thinks he was actually a genius. So he was definitely the thinker out of the two that we see right now. And Linwood is the one on the left. Girl, I wouldn't have guessed that. (laughs) What? I would not have guessed that he was the smart one. Oh, the one on the left? Yeah, I was thinking the one with the fro. Oh, Good to know. Yeah. Well, the one with the fro is named James Darrell Briley, who went by JB, and he was born on June 6, 1956. He hmm. wasn't that smart. But before we get into him, Kristen, what happened in black history in 1954? Okay. So let's get into it. Nothing really happened in 1954 that I wanted to cover, but I did want to cover a man who lived until he was 89 years old and died in 1955. So that means he was born in 1866. Hmm. This man's name is Matthew Henson. Mm. Now, Matthew Henson is an American explorer, and what he's known for is going on the trip to the North Pole with Robert Piercy. Robert Peary, sorry. Oh, shit. I think we covered him before. Matthew I mean, I think Henson? we no. I think we talked about him briefly in another episode. It was like a flyover. It could have been because in that year, yeah, that was when I was like just going through bullet points of different mm-hmm, stuff that happened. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Matthew Henson was honestly just a baller. Like <laughs> a lot of stuff happened to him when he was younger. He actually was born to these free black people um, that were working as sharecroppers in Maryland. They died when he was really, really young, so he actually had to move to Washington, D.C. to stay with his uncle Mm. until he was 12. Then his uncle died. So Mm. then he moved, I know, just mad death. Poor baby. I know. And then he moved to Beemore. Shout out Beemore, Baltimore, you already know. They hate when we say that. Someone literally wrote a review, it was like a two-star review, and was like, fuck them, they're fucking... Baltimore accent is trash. Bitch, your mama's trash, ho. Like, you, you know mad? it was a joke. You mad? When we said it. On my mother, you mad? <laughs> Kristen, I won't do this with you today. I won't do this with Who you. Who cares? Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so he had to um, eventually go to Baltimore, and that's where he started working as a cabin boy on this ship called Katie Hines. Mm. A ton of stuff happened on that ship. He basically grew into kind of a young man. The captain of the ship taught him how to read and write. Um, But eventually down the road, he actually was working at a D.C. clothing store in in November 1887. And that's where he met Commander Robert Peary. 
If you want to know more, tune into our TikToks. This will be coming up soon. I just posted one, Kayla. So I was about to look you in your face and say, "Bitch, stop telling people something." I just posted one. I just posted one. I'm sending it to you today. But yes, tune in for more. Well, thank you, sister, for that quick trip down history lane. Of course. Back to these guys. So James or JB, he wasn't the smartest. Like I said, he was more mouth from the people that knew him and he was more spontaneous basically saying i'm just gonna decide something in the moment and do it in the fucking moment he gives me that vibe mm-hmm. little wild tang little wild child anthony who was the youngest he actually was like the follower obviously you know usually the youngest is but he took that role and ran with it okay mm. he looked up to his brothers like a father figure it was just really deep Oh, are you going to show him? Uh, I don't have a picture of him as a like a younger person, but I will show you a picture of him later. Okay. Their parents, who were James and Bertha Riley, were hardworking class citizens, okay? I'm actually going to show you guys the house that they grew up in. And when you see the house, you're going to be like, we always assume if you come from a good place, you shouldn't be acting a fool. But that's not always the case. Mm. Hey, Mama Bertha. Kristen, that's the wrong. <laughs> <laughs> God. Wow. She looks like the old, that's like the original Medea. That's what she looked like. Mm-hmm. A lot of this case, Kristen, reminds me of things that I've heard of in other cases and stuff like that. Honestly, it's crazy. TV shows have taken like aspects of this case, all of it. So, wow. we're going to get okay, to I it. I was literally going to say this house almost looks like the Family Matters house. And this it is was a nice house. Yeah, the family was giving that, you know, their, like I said, their mom and dad were working. Bertha worked at the Virginia Union University. You guys saw her as a food service manager. And she was loved by everybody in the community. Like she was the one that would go out of her way to take care of everybody and just built a, a real rapport. And then the father, James, he worked for the city laying pipes. Kristen, what do you have to say? Come on, James. Like, he looks like he's a hardworking man. Mm -hmm. He used to be attractive. He got his big old woman right next to him, strong. (laughs) And they're just doing the doggone thing in Richmond, Virginia. They were. They were living it up with their three sons. And James was more on the quiet side, okay? So Bertha was like the you know, type A, he was definitely type B. And he kind of spent a lot of time away from his family. Even when he wasn't working, when he would come home, he would lock himself into his room. Hmm, which is super, super doing, weird. James? You know, men. That's, that's the excuse for what it was back in the 60s and 70s. Just men. Hmm. By the time the boys were teenagers, Bertha had left their father, leaving the sons with James. So the reason that they divorced, obviously a lot of reasons go into it, but the main reason was that the boys really started, I guess, to misbehave at this time. And it was just causing a lot of friction between the mom and the dad. And it just, you know, disintegrated as a relationship. That sucks. Like, can you imagine the child, the children that you bore out of your own womb are now causing your marriage to deteriorate? Yeah, like they're acting so horribly that you guys can't even love each other or be together you know that's fucked up that is with bertha leaving the house this really changed the dynamic within the house and the dynamic within the boys so they were already like on some weird path to doing whatever the fuck they were doing because at first they were very very helpful they would help people in their neighborhoods just go out of their way to like be good people but once their mom left it was just like fuck all that and Mm. they started getting into more creepy things like exotic pets so they would have tarantulas and scorpions and piranhas in their house and they even Mm. had pythons Mm -mm. okay and obviously in order to feed all these animals you have to have other animals to feed them with so they had a lot of mice on hand and the boys loved watching the python eat the mice i don't know what the fuck they got that from how they even got introduced to being attracted to something like that but it happened and they also fetish material it's giving they got a hold of a snuff film somewhere because honestly because back in the 70s snuff films were like prevalent like people were making them so i believe it i would not be fucking surprised at all they also had regular pets too so they had a few dobermans and if you guys don't know what they are they're like dogs with the big like black dogs Mm -hmm, with the pointy ears yeah short um hair Mm -hmm. stuff like that 
And for entertainment, they would sometimes throw a live cat at the Dobermans and just watch them tear it apart. No. I'm not a cat person, but if I catch somebody doing some shit like this to a cat, I'm going to jail. I'm about to say animal abuse sometimes is worse than human abuse. Sometimes? <laughs> majority of the time. Nice. No, majority of the time. Nice. Fuck humans. We ruin everything. And <laughs> animals Michael are just Blake. trying to make it. Literally, they're just trying to make it out alive. Screw Coexist. you, Michael Vick. You know what I'm Screw you. <laughs> so they really, really enjoyed this horrific, like, hell, hellish, hellish, <laughs> hellish action, mm-hmm. and even started to embody the aggression and, like, the violence they were watching. Mm-hmm. And by the age of 16 years old, Linwood Briley would commit his first murder. Wow, that's super freaking young. Too young. I mean, never should you commit a murder, but at 16, on January 28th, 1971, Orlean Christian was doing laundry outside in her yard. And back then, some people were still like hanging their clothes up to dry. So that's what she was doing. In the same moment, Linwood was looking out of his bedroom window and happened to spot her. He then looked over at his 22 caliber rifle hanging on his wall and happened to take it down. He pointed it out the window and shot Orlean in the back of the neck. Wow. I mean, brutal. First of all, who just has a gun hanging up in a room as a 16-year-old? A lot of root of the caucus children today, but also back then, probably just a lot of people in general. That's sad. I cannot believe that's such a cowardly move. He was like, hmm, let's see what Guan And just shot her. I'm like, she's right next door. Your neighbor. Did you even think about that? Dumbass. Unfortunately, she died right there in her yard, and her family assumed she just died of some type of like natural cause or heart attack because she was elderly. So they thought nothing of it and just started to plan her funeral. Did they now, not I s- see the bullet wound in the back of her neck? Mm, if you're not looking for something, it could just, you know? That's why people ignore red flags so easily because if you're not looking for them, they may not seem like red flags at the time. That's a damn shame, Kayla. There was blood everywhere, <laughs> I bet. Like, I'm confused. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what type of... A 22. that's a small It's bullet, very small. So it may not have left a, bu- a big hole and it may-, may not have made her bleed out a lot. Who knows? But mm-hmm. I do know from what I saw, there was two reports of how it was discovered that she was actually murdered. So in the killer siblings documentary that I watched, they claimed that when the funeral director went to prepare Orlean's body, he noticed a small hole in the back of her neck. And that's Mm -hmm. when, you know, he's, he realized it was a bullet, whatever. But I also read that the family noticed during the actual viewing of her body, like during her funeral. So I'm hoping it's the first one. I'm praying to God (laughs) because how the heck you see the back of her neck anyway, while you're viewing her. And you know how newspapers and stuff try to be salacious. So they probably just made that shit up to be like, mm-hmm. as they're saying their last goodbyes, they realize. They small you know what I'm saying? Terrible. In the back of her neck. So investigators went out to investigate and one named James Garday took a board, like a wooden board with him and put a hole in it. And he held it up, I guess mathematically what they could figure out where she was standing when she got shot. And he kind of just held it right there and went around in a circle to figure out where it could have possibly come from. So up, down, all around, and then boom, he landed on Linwood's window. Mm. His excuse, Linwood's excuse, is that it was an accident and that he was just shooting at squirrels and she just happened to get hit. Since he was 16 and probably like fucking acting his ass off, just crying, you know, whatever, he got off with that and he was only charged with manslaughter. And spent one year in juvie wow. for cold-blooded murder. I mean, just like that. It was easy as sticking a gun out the window and popping it off. And he gets one year. One year, Kristen. Sad. And guess who wanted to be just like his big brother? James, the second oldest. In 1972, James was 16 and decided to rob a convenience store. He was chased down by police who he decided to shoot at. And... Mm-hmm. The cops survived and did, like, shoot at him back. But James was arrested and sent to juvie for that, and he was released after one year. I mean, okay. I don't get it. <laughs> like, if that's what y'all want to do. It's just not rehabilitation-based. Like, you lock somebody up, and then guess what he did when he came out? This became a better, a better criminal. Mm-hmm. 
It's just terrible. I don't get the system. It hasn't changed in the sense of help. It just really hasn't overall. Yeah. In 1973, both brothers were out of juvie and ready to run it the fuck up in the streets. So now they were doing drugs. They were selling drugs, robbing people, all that shit. They were literally a little gang. Mm. They have. (laughs) Yes. They had a fourth member, and that member was 16-year-old Duncan Meekins. So Duncan is on the far right. Um, right next to him is Anthony. Right next to him is James. And then that's Linwood on the end. I mean, these brothers have some good hair. That's the only thing I'll ever give them. Incredible hair. Incredible hair. And if my job was, like, literally to be able to tell them apart, I wouldn't be able to, bitch. I would fail miserably. They look like carbon copies. Except for the oldest one with these sideburns from <laughs> right to here. Interesting look, my guy. So Duncan was introduced to the group by Linwood. I guess he was one of their neighbors as well. And all three bro- brothers treated him like he was blood too. Mm-hmm. Duncan admired them and thought like all the fucked up shit that they were doing was hella cool. And he wanted to be a part of it. Okay. So where's your daddy, Duncan? I was like, maybe it's giving only child. And just want to be a part of something, you know? Yeah, I can see that. mm -hmm. So what they do is they would drink together, get high together, and then decide who their target was going to be that night. Their target, you know, to rob. Soon the group started bringing home TVs, jewelry, money, even guns. All under their father's roof, by the way. And where the heck is James? In the room. Because James is in his room, bitch. Doesn't want any part of what's going on downstairs. Okay, and we're going to get more into that. Okay. James had completely lost control at this point. Any control that he may have had over the kids when they were younger was just fucking evaporated. And at this point, he was basically doing what they were telling him to do. Mm. Could never be me. I was about to say, I'll take us both out (laughs) before I'm taking orders for my child out of fear. I'm just thinking about our dad. He would die. (laughs) He he would just sit there and let us run him. He'd really he'd literally chew his own hand off. His ego would never let him let us tell him a thing. Never do it. <laughs> okay. So at this point, they completely lost any good that was in them before their mother left. And at this point, it will only get worse. I have a question. Yes. Do you think she came to visit them or do you know? I don't know if she was super active in their lives or anything like that. But from what I could see, she was not. Mm-hmm. All right, so now we're about to get into the terribleness. Let's take a little break, sister. Let's take a little break. John Gallagher was a disc jockey for a country station in the city and was pretty popular because of it. So he would be, unfortunately, the first victim. He also played in a country band, and on September 14th, 1978, while playing at the club, he decided to take a little smoke break, but never made it back in. His car was gone and was found the next day, and but there was no sign of Johnny. And this wasn't like him, okay? Abnormal. So everyone was looking for him, they had police looking for him, and people close to him honestly thought he was dead. Oh, wow. Something that wouldn't be confirmed until two weeks later when his body, I don't know if it washed up onto the river edge, but it was found on the edge of the river. Mm. The autopsy showed that he was shot in the back of the head with a 30 caliber rifle and then put him and then they put him in the river. It was clear that the motive was robbery. They stolen his money belt, his jewelry. He had like a ring on his watch, all that type of stuff. And the police had no viable leads so they were just looking crazy and unfortunately johnny had like connections with law enforcement so law enforcement was really hurt by this so rest in peace johnny hopefully you weren't a racist yeah (laughs) i mean as a disc jockey johnny could have been cool hey johnny like (laughs) please please. okay he's a country radio show (laughs) disc jockey i think there are limits Well, well well rest in peace either way rest in peace On October 5th, which was five days after Johnny's body was found in the river, police got a call to respond to a break-in at the house of Charles Gardner and Blanche Page. Their neighbor had found the two of them in the home deceased. Wow. These are people that were apparently like really sweet, but mostly stayed to themselves, okay? They don't be in other people's fucking business. Mm -hmm. So police couldn't fathom who would want to hurt them this way. This next part gets a little graphic. So Charles was found pinned down to the floor with knives and scissors 
through his back. And his head looked like it had been bashed in with a baseball bat. Jeez. Jeez. They're getting more and more violent. It's like experimental. And with the scissors, like I have a pair of little scissors right here. What they would do is they would open them and then just go straight down with it, like in him, you know, through. Oh, it's just fucking horrible. Blanche. intense. I know. Blanche was almost, um, actually, she was unrecognizable. She was found in her bed with her head and face completely bashed in. It's just unbelievable amounts of violence and force and hatred behind that. Right. For someone you don't even know, who's someone that's never done anything to you. And you run up in their homes and you, you, you demolish any sense of safety they had before you kill them. A hundred percent. And as if this couldn't get any worse, Blanche was already blind. She was a blind woman. So it's not even like she could point them out in a lineup or anything like that. She literally was a victim. And she literally could have been alive and still had no idea who Who did it. Did it. Yeah. But they didn't. You can clearly see that they're not killing just to protect their identities. They're doing it because they want to. They're doing it because it it gets them off. A hundred percent. Rest in peace, Blanche and Charles. Rest in peace. After these murders, the streets were really talking, and people were saying that it was the Briley brothers who committed the the murders. Which so it wasn't they should have been either running; they could have been running their mouths, or people just saw them and just saw how violent they were, and they were like, "Yeah, they would do it." I think it was more so running of the dick suckers because Mm -hmm. they thrive off of intimidating people and scaring people and making them feel like you know. If you do this, like, I'll hurt you. So don't ever, like, snitch on me type of vibe. It was just very controlling yeah, and, and manipulative. It's like, and it's like they had so many of them. There's three of them behind mm-hmm. every one. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, like, you got your own little gang. Ain't nobody trying to mm-hmm. play with y'all. Exactly. So everyone basically thought they knew that the Barley Brothers did it, but they didn't have any proof. So mm-hmm. instead of just sitting on their hands until forensic evidence came back, the police decided to put together a surveillance team that would essentially follow the brothers around to make sure they weren't, like, actively terrorizing people. Mm-hmm. But two weeks later, they were back at it again. On October 19th, all four of the boys were riding around the city. They were probably just trying to get into some shit. And the surveillance team was hot on their ass at the same time. But they couldn't be too hot because they didn't want to cause suspicion or, you know, just alert them in any way. Right. So they were in the same area as the gang, but not like right up on them. Right. And while they were trying to be close, but not too close, they heard gunshots. This is but exactly what they were looking for. A hundred percent. But they couldn't figure out where the shots were coming from. All they knew were that they were close by. The brothers were close by and they heard a car speed off. And the car was actually speeding off into their direction. And okay. guess what car it was? It was the Nova. So a Nova, I don't know what type of fucking car that is, but it was a car known to the brothers. Like everybody knew that they rode in that car. And so it literally flies past the surveillance team. The surveillance team speeds after them, but loses them. Like y'all, what is the point of you being out there if you're going to be useless? Kristen, they're stopping at stoplights. They're getting a cup of coffee. I, I just don't understand what happened. Like, did you have a basket of donuts sitting on your belly and then they came by you and you were disembobulated and you couldn't get it together? Like, what is going on? Were you drinking a cup of hot joe and it dropped into your lap and you burned your pee-pee? Is that the fucking excuse? Because I would have been like, bump my pee-pee. Fully, fully. There's but murderers on the loose. To, they were able to escape. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Just 12 hours later, a call came into the station that there was a triple homicide at a house on Barton Avenue. And this might be like the most heartbreaking part of this whole story. Obviously, all murder is heartbreaking, but, you know, there's different types. When police arrived, they found a husband and wife shot to death, covered with a sheet. And their names were Harvey Wilkerson and Judy Barton. And then right next to them was a five-year-old son named Harvey Jr. who was also shot to death. No. It's just unspeakable evil. How do you kill a child? 
unnecessary evil. You can't rob a child. You literally get nothing from hurting them. No. It's just something you choose to do. How do you do that, Kayla? Like, how do you go so evil, so deep in in darkness that you see a child and you're like, hmm, I want to kill this kid? Well, honestly, in my opinion, I think darkness looks for receptive individuals. And I feel like when you're in a dark space in your life, so maybe when their family was going through a divorce, something just slithered its fucking way into their lives and corrupted them to the fucking bone. And like you said, they were kind of open to it. Yeah. Ugh. Well, remember 12 hours beforehand when the police were trailing the brothers and heard gunshots? They were in the Barton Avenue area. And Mm. this is what they believe the brothers were doing, killing Mm. this damn family. Wow. Rest Rest in in peace, peace. Harvey, Judy, and Harvey Jr. Rest in peace. Harvey happened to be a known drug dealer in the area and was actually cool with the brothers. So they knew knew him. And that's probably why they decided to maybe kill the five-year-old because the five-year-old was old enough to say who you know did this to his parents Mm, i see and probably from the jump they were probably already thinking they were gonna fucking rob him you know yeah they probably knew everything about him they knew Mm. he had a wife and a kid and they were like this is what it is yeah so can you imagine how that surveillance team felt like being right there too little too motherfucking late and then you lose them oh 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 it's not (laughs) not to even mention they drive straight past you <laughs> crazy i promise you kayla would make a vow a solemn vow i put my hand on the bible i solemnly vow to never do whatever i did to be losing motherfuckers that just rolled past me because at that point it's like it doesn't make any sense i vow to never look at myself in the mirror again I mean, it's just it's hard because when you see a child died and you were right there and you could have done something the guilt you know don't wish it on anyone to be honest and then on top of that they know it's the briley brothers right so they know who it is and they only have circumstantial evidence so at this point they're super super desperate to just get them off the street in any way that they fucking can right and they decided to bring the brothers in for questioning okay but they couldn't find them Kristen. i don't know i don't know if richmond has a bunch of dugouts and fucking holes bitch in the ground but these niggas were just burrowing away in the wind wow but also i think it was because they have females fucking with them because let's take a look at them again like we're not even gonna sit here and play you know like somebody okay, wasn't checking for them because one of them looks like james brown <laughs> hold on, hold on. let me bring it back let me break it down i think we need to do it individually okay here we go Woo! come on up in here looking like a preacher the <laughs> reverend himself okay well, he looks like if if black people were to wear those big white um <laughs> like for the Hats british the judges and the british used to wear that's yeah. his black version his yeah. natural hair it's giving lady marmalade and i don't even know who that is <laughs> but he's suave you know marmalade, got that suit on he got marmalade. that shit on <laughs> got that shit on he look real suave oh right. creepy ass okay who's let's next? see the, who's next let's see if i got the other picture oh there we go okay Kayla. now that Kristen, that is James. Doesn't that look like Linwood? Kayla, that looks just like him. It's That's the James. daddy? No, bitch. James Jr. James oh. J- JB. JD. What the fuck is his name? Dang, JB. Kristen, please. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, I wish he wasn't cute, but he kind of cute. And he looked like the poetic type, like a D smoke type of guy. Mm but you killing oh. folks with some good hair how dare you how dare you have time and money and effort to put into all your hair like making sure you look good make sure your hair is done but you're out here killing folks and killing folks that ain't doing nothing to you ain't paying you no mind that's super corny to me it's terrible i don't i don't, I, I have questions i have answers i have hands <laughs> that want to be thrown yes <laughs> So they knew that Linwood took his father to work every day and picked him up. The police knew this. So they mm-hmm. waited at James's job, older James, until it was time for him to get picked up at 11 p.m. And lo and behold, Linwood shows up like clock, clockwork, but he brought his friend Duncan with him. Mm-hmm. So as soon as the boys in blue pull up behind him, turn on the lights, Linwood made a, a quick right turn and jumped out of the car and just started to run. 
Wow. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> and the like car. A hundred percent. And the car then came to a stop at a lamppost. And his dad was still in the car, just looking <laughs> stupid as the hell, probably handcuffed at this point. The man is a hostage <laughs> in his own home. Where are his testicles? Back in the house? <laughs> Kristen, they've already castrated him years ago. He was castrated before 16-year-old Lindwood killed that woman. Let's be I real. I know. He was stuck in his room. Like, what are you doing in there? I don't know what those children put him through, but mm-hmm. this man was not man no more. I cannot believe Bertha just up and left, too. She said deuces. Yeah. Yeah. She was out. Probably was wow. just too much to to handle just like for that mom that we talked about on confessions this week and mm-hmm. she literally put her son up for adoption <laughs> after he spent fifteen thousand dollars her biological <laughs> son her bio if you guys have not listened to our confessions this week you have to subscribe to patreon it's available on all tiers so pick one each because it's good so yeah the car came to a stop linwood was tased a couple times before being handcuffed and transported downtown Along with Duncan's ass. So they got mm-hmm. Duncan too. Mm-hmm. James and Anthony were then arrested. And when police tried to speak with the three brothers, they immediately lawyered up. Mm. Weren't budging. Okay. So they knew to lawyer up. Of course they did. Kristen, Linwood is a borderline genius. Right. So he already had a plan. If they gave a shit not to get caught, they probably wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. But they just didn't care. Police then tried to speak to their father, James, who was clearly petrified of his children and wanted no parts in protecting them or snitching on them he I'm even like was bertha the the, the <laughs> i'm trying to figure out was bertha the the dominant figure in the relationship because you did say that she was type a and he was type b it's giving that he was a disciplinary though this father was more so the disciplinary so you would think that the disciplinary would hold the more pants wearing role or yeah. whatever the fuck you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah but doesn't seem to be that way. I don't know. I don't know if this man is soft. I was looking for a like video, you know, so I could hear how he talks and holds himself, but I couldn't tell. I think daddy has his own vices and maybe mm-hmm. he's so wrapped up in what he got going on that he's like, I can't even deal with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they got their own shit. I literally can't. Mm. He even kept a padlock on his bedroom door because he was so fearful of his children. Was it because he was fearful or was he be hiding something in that doggone room? Kristen, the man was pe- 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 petrified. His children are bringing in Louis Vuitton jewelry. They, br- I mean, they're bringing in hella shit into the house that he knows they didn't pay for because they're not working. Right. And he's asking, he's not doing anything to stop it, asking no questions. Hands Is it horrible up. to say I would literally take my kids' lives before I'm scared of them taking mine? Yeah, no, I don't think that is. I mean, that's kill or be killed. I think everyone thinks that way, you know? <laughs> Fight or flight, yeah. period. It sucks to think that anyone could be in that situation, but many people have been, and it's just, it's horrible. Wow. So while in the interview interview room with Linwood, one of the investigators present was actually really good friends with Johnny. You know, the disc jockey that died. And right there on Linwood's finger, he saw Johnny's ring. Kayla, this yeah. is beyond disrespectful. Probably tapping his little fucking finger like this on the table. Not even thinking he'd give it all his shit up. Yup. Acting real confident. Mm-hmm. And you got this man's pinky ring on your pinky. On your pinky finger. Disrespect. And he even knew it was Johnny's ring because he was with him when he bought it. So this is just like the smoking gun they need. The detective literally had to be escorted out because he was so emotional. Like Kill furious. Him. You know, he was yeah. crying. It was just a big thing for him. That's what so gave sad. him. I don't know if you guys saw that video with that white country man. And he winded that hand all the way back like he was going to punch that man. I would have winded my hand all the way back to Timbuktu and just gave him a serious uppercut. Kristen, what are you saying? <laughs> I won't keep that in because I was a disaster. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Moving on. Now, <laughs> now the Briley brothers aren't talking, but the police still have one person left. Duncan Meekin. Mm. And when his, pro- when his parents came to the station, he was basically a kid again and decided to tell. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. The one dude that they let in their little brotherhood, and now he's snitching. Yeah. But still being human and wanting to preserve himself as much as possible, he only first admitted to the robbery and attempted murder of a couple named William and Virginia Butcher. So we haven't even talked about them yet. Duncan claims the group planned to rob and kill the couple, and it was Duncan's job to tie them up. But when he went to tie up William, William asked him not to tie him too tight, and Duncan agreed. So that was how the couple was able to get out of their restraints and exit the house before uh, Linwood and James set it on fire because they did set that house on fire trying to kill them. Okay. And then after that, he spills all the fucking tea, girl. So the police were specifically interested in what happened to Johnny because his body was found, you know, in the river. They really just didn't know how that happened. Mm -hmm. So Duncan told the police that the gang was riding around when they saw Johnny outside taking his smoke break. They then saw his belt buckle kind of like glisten or reflect. Mm. Could you imagine like just wearing a belt buckle? It draws the attention of your killer. That's why I stay <sighs> modest. You know, you don't have to show everything you got. Period. And if you're showing it, make sure you strap, bitch. Make sure you got that thing. So they turned the car around because they saw that and they approached him. They then beat him, took his car, put him in the trunk and drove him to a remote island where they stripped him of his belongings you know his valuables and then killed him and put him in the river wow they even stole parts of his car to put on their own i mean what what do they call that freebasing um great great if you're right awesome if you're wrong (laughs) you're stupid (laughs) that's how it that's the type of vibe that that answer was giving because okay, well, you're that, a mother, if I'm wrong, and that's the response, you're a mother. <laughs> and if I'm right, near hand. Free bracing is like when you're putting drugs, you're shooting drugs, and you don't do it with like a certain chemical. Bitch, I don't know. We'll look into so it. So anyway. Anyway. So with Duncan's testimony, the gang was charged with seven counts of murder, among a plethora of other charges. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they were robbing everybody. The prosecution tried to get Anthony to turn on his brothers and take a deal. Did he? No, Kristen. Anthony did not. And even though Anthony wasn't even really involved in the killings, he was more so on the robbery part of it all. But mm-hmm. he still was like, nah, I'm going down with my brothers, you know. Period. That's my, my blood. Brothers. My brothers. During trial, Duncan revealed that JB was the one that killed Judy Barton. So JB is James and her five-year-old son, Harvey. And that he was the one that actually killed Harvey Sr. So that's a big thing to admit on the on the stand. It was definitely helpful for the jury and went a long way with them believing what he was talking about. Right. When you out yourself, you're damning yourself. So it's like, well, if he's damning himself, he's probably telling the truth. Yeah. Why would he lie on all these other people? Mm -hmm. And he said he did it because Linwin told him, quote, you got to get one. End quote. Wow. It's disgusting. So the results of the trials were all were found guilty and Duncan was sentenced to life. He did have an opportunity for parole. Anthony was sentenced to life with the possibility of parole. And James and Linwood were sentenced to death. Wow. If that's not the most accurate sentencing that I've heard since we've talked like about Mm -hmm. all these cases, then I would be surprised. I mean, in my opinion, they all could have got the same sentence because they were all just as culpable. They didn't do anything to stop these guys from killing these people, even though they may not have been physically doing it, you know? But I I always feel like the masterminds deserve the worst worst fate ever. I don't think the followers should get off any easier, you know? I think, if anything, the mastermind, what 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 do we look at the mastermind as, you know? Okay, he's less stupid than everybody else, but we give them a break because they're just more stupid. Well, they still got life, sis. They get no breaks. I know. I'm just saying, but they do have the possibility of parole. Possibility Mm -hmm. of parole is not a death sentence. You have the chance of getting out Mm -hmm. and they're still super, super young. So they have, you know, a real chance. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm okay with the sentencing. I am. Yeah, me too. And this doesn't even include the people that police think lost their lives at the hands of these pieces of shit. They think they were responsible for up to at least five more murders. So a few people that they're almost positive lost their life to the brothers is a man named Michael McDuffie, who was killed on March 21st, 1979. He was shot and his valuables were stolen. 
On April 9th, 76-year-old Mary Gowan was actually raped. So they fucking raped her. They robbed her and they shot her outside of her own house. Wow. They followed her home after she was leaving a babysitting gig on the other side of town. Just sick. You have to watch your back at all times. All and, times. And on September 20th, 62-year-old Mary Wilfong was killed via baseball bat by Linwood outside of her home as well. And then after they killed her, they literally just went inside and rummaged through her house and stole shit. Of course they did. Free reign. There, there has to be something that takes over someone's body to do that. I don't want to believe that humanity is capable of such evil without help. Mm-hmm. And that just helps me sleep at night, if I'm being honest. I mean, yeah, Kayla, I feel like you're dead right. <laughs> There's no way that we can just, I can just go out and and beat the crap out of somebody yeah. to kill them. And yeah. I had no experience with that type of stuff. You know, no inkling, yeah. no want to do that. And I just get up and do it one day. I just can't believe that. That's the scary part. We're all from the same fucking whatever you want to say. We're all capable of the same exact things. And to see that, huh, it's just, yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace to all the victims, known and unknown. We're so sorry. Rest in peace. So in March of 1980, Linwood and James were transported to Mecklenburg Correctional Center in Mecklenburg, Virginia. And this is a place that is known for being like really tough. It's actually one of the hardest facilities to be in in the country mm, wow. at that time, at that time, at least. Mm -hmm. And before they could even step foot into the facility, everyone already knew who the fuck they were. I mean, yeah, there are cases were publicized and everything like that. But what was really noted was how violent they were and how mm. they would use intimidation and stuff to get what they wanted. Okay. Even the guards were intimidated and scared of the brothers. Yes, Kristen. They literally went into the fucking jail and ran shit from death row. Like how? You have no power here. That's not how, true. How, am I, how are they intimidated? I'll tell you right now. They always had money. Always oh. had money, Kristen. And you know people out there, like in, in jail, you ain't got shit. Right. So they would always have the weed, the shanks, commissary, you know, mm -hmm. anything that people needed. Mm -hmm. And even with the guards not making great money, they were easily manipulated as well. Mm, wow, Kayla. This is, and this is just feeding their ego. They're loving every bit of it. How, Kristen, jacking off as often as possible from just the inflatedness of their own ego. I mean, they're taking niggas booty holes just because they can. Just for fun to feel the power of it the rush wow those are the exact people who deserve to be mutilated yeah yeah castrated for sure <laughs> one of their favorite guards would actually let them into a common room together alone mm. well the guard was like in the room but he would be on the other side of the room giving them space and he's watching tv loud as hell while they're just plotting they're just hanging out. During that time, they said that they were working on their appeals, but we fucking know that's a lie because they were really planning their escape. Ah! Mm -hmm. After four years, they decided to put their plan in motion and recruited four other men to help them do it. So it was Derek Peterson, Earl Clanton, Lim Tuggle, love that, and William Leroy Jones. What? Yes. The planning that went into it was incredible and severely detailed thanks to Linwood, you know, the fucking genius. Yeah. And authorities even knew they were plotting Kristen. There was like word floating around that the escape was going to happen on top of one of James's female friends trying to sneak in a loaded revolver. She tried to get him a gun, Kristen. And then the stupid bitch went to jail. <laughs> That's what she can't. <laughs> You dumb bee. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So on May 31st, 1984, the escape happened. Everyone had went home except the night shift. Derek overpowered the woman in charge of controls and let the other five men out. And they all put on guard uniforms. Okay. They had like the helmet, the riot gear. So helmets, all that type of stuff. Okay. So they then acted like they had a live bomb. So they put a big ass TV on like a stretcher put a blanket over it, took a fire extinguisher and started blowing the smoke around it, trying to, I guess, somehow pretend it's a bomb. And then when they go out of the, the doors, they confront the guards out there. They're saying, yo, there's a bomb. We have to get this bitch the fuck out of here. 
it worked, Kristen. The people believed them and essentially they were fucking free men. You are lying to my face. Not How you gonna have a live bit. bomb in a prison? Where did the bomb come from? And is somebody under not a blanket? Right is that even a joke? <laughs> I don't know what they saw, what they, cause some people you think you're like, I don't know what a bomb looks like. Like what, you know, what do I know? But I'm sure they were convincing enough the the delusion behind Linwood and the confidence. You know, I'm sure he was like super convincing. Wow. Okay. Well, this is insane. This is like a movie. Oh yeah, I told you. I was like, I've seen this before. Mm-hmm. And the whole country was Kristen losing their shit. Okay. The the prison itself couldn't believe something like this could fucking happen at Mecklenburg. They just couldn't fucking believe it. Their first goal was to rearrest the escapees as soon as possible, and they were even offering, like, rewards, you know, $10,000 rewards. Mm -hmm. The task force in Richmond was reactivated, surveillance team and all Mm -hmm. that, and they had all their family and friends on fucking lock. Wow. One day after the escape, Derek and Earl were found in Warrington, North Carolina, after they stole a bottle of wine and some cheese. (laughs) And went to eat it. You bougie bitches. Like, so wine and some cheese, like you're making a charcuterie board? Goodbye. <laughs> not a charcuterie board. Okay, not a charcuterie board. A charcuterie board. Oh. Okay. Well, yeah, they wanted some wine and cheese, bitch. The, the luxuries of life. Mm-hmm. And they ended up getting arrested again. Mind you, this place was only an hour south of the prison. And you're stealing. Like, you just, this is just this, where you come from. This is just what you know. The old dog never changed its spots. Yeah. Yep. People started actually having fun with this, Kristen. People started selling shirts that said, I'm not one of the Briley brothers. So you would see, like, black guys walking down the street with these shirts on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> A guy named, which they had to, Kristen, because let's be real, the cops were probably like, hey, you, black man. Let's be fair, Kayla. And, like, flogging them fully. Mm-hmm. A guy named Terry Ray drew Briley Brothers trading cards, even though the brothers were, like, depicted as white in the cards. Fucking Mm. bullshit. Fuck you, Terry. I know. (sighs) Just gotta steal literally everything. Even the worst of us, you have to steal. You're trying to steal. Like, you're ridiculous. Gross. Mm -hmm. It's giving Elvis. (laughs) Better say that, bitch. And someone even wrote a a song called The Ballad of Briley Brothers. Mm. Kayla, are you going to sing it right now? Krista, I'm going to give you a verse. Okay. The rooms are small. The food ain't great. The guards are big and burly. So Lim and James and four more guys checked out a little early. Wow. That was awesome. I mean, it it was moving, but mostly my delivery was. (laughs) (laughs) That was some, honestly, unfortunately, that was some good stuff. Okay. Rolling my eyes. Mm. Eight days after the escape, Lim Tuggle. Look at Lim. Lim. (laughs) Lim. Lim Tuggle and Willie Leroy Jones drove a van all the way up to Vermont and were living in the woods. Mm. I'm guessing they were headed to the Canadian border because they were only like a few miles away from it. Mm -hmm. But Lim being Lim. Had to go do some dumb shit and rob a store at Knife Point, and he was arrested. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And soon after, Willie called the police on himself and told them that he wanted to turn himself in. I'm cracking up. So, Willie, you were only in this to do what? To what? To be with friends. He wanted to, to hang be out with, with his friends. friends. Yeah. And mm. then he got cold in them woods, and he couldn't start no <laughs> fire without Lemmy. So he said it's time to go home. <laughs> Lem knew how to start the fire for them. I could tell. After 19 days on the run, the boys called an uncle that they had in Philly. And police were able to track the brothers to an auto store, and they were grilling chicken in there. And the police stormed up on their asses, and they both were arrested without incident. Good. Oh, my God, Grayson. Uh, Linwood was wearing a shower cap. <laughs> That's why his hair looks fire. Okay? He was Fully. marinating under there. He was deep conditioning when he was arrested. <laughs> Absolutely. Linwood Briley was murdered by the state of Virginia on October 12th, 1984 in the chat. They gave him the chat. And they said, let's do it quick because this is a smart mother effer. Yeah. They had to get get out again. Real quick. Real quick. Wow. And James was killed April 18th, 1985. So they went out 
almost together. I do have a clip of James talking that hot shit. And I do want to play it for you guys, so here it is. I did a wrong, which was in 73. Um, I armed robber store. I shot at a police officer. I made a mistake, and I went to prison. But it didn't work. I, of course, chose to escape because I'm innocent, and if you're innocent, I believe that you're supposed to be free. Innocent <laughs> of what? You just told us all the things you did. <laughs> Kristen, he only admitted to the, the one thing that he did, shooting at the cops. But he's saying he's innocent of the murders, all that stuff. It's like, no, the fuck you're not. And you're really annoying to even be saying that out your mouth. His defense team was trying to use the media to their advantage because Mm -hmm. he looks like a, I guess, good looking guy, Mm -hmm. believable. He speaks Educated brother. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it was crazy. A lot of people were pro the death, you know, penalty for them. Majority of them were Caucasian screaming the N word. So Mm. fuck them. But also, you know, I think they definitely deserved capital punishment, whatever that looks like. Mm. And then a lot of people, a lot of black people, honestly, were against it. You know, thou shalt not kill and all that. But let us know what you guys thought. That was our case for this week. Woo! That was a fun one. I feel like we should have like one of those drawing boards where we like illustrate that entire case because that one was nuts. I know. And I'm going to look for some more pictures of them. If you guys want to see everything that I was able to see. You guys want to see the crime scene photos and all that type of stuff. Please watch Killer Siblings Season 1, Episode 8. It'll show you everything that you want to see and need to know. And Can we find yeah. that on Netflix? Like, where is that? Oh, oh, sorry. You can find it on Amazon Prime. You do. You may have to pay $2.99 for it. I did. Um, but yeah, it's definitely worth the watch. Mm-hmm. And you'll see both brothers in video and stuff like that. So Okay. I'm completely floored. I think this week maybe we're going to have to have, Chris, if you have time, we're going to have to have like a live conversation about this with some of our listeners because I want to talk about Linwood. Like I can't wrap my brain around that crazy motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down. That sounds dope. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Facebook. I forgot you can rate us on Facebook and on Spotify. It really helps us. And before we go, be safe, protect your peace, and protect your pace, and protect your space, so we don't have to cover your case. (laughs) Bye. Bye. You have a right to kill me. I have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me.